This is the place right here, ground zero for the South Beach Shark Club. Oh, South Beach, beautiful Miami Beach. Yeah, it was pretty rough, 80s and 90s, a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs. There's some wild stuff going on. Now, when most people think of sharks, they automatically think of Jaws. He caught a 20-foot great white shark that dragged down their small boat. Renee is an icon. There's a kid, we're going, yeah, this guy's a guy. This guy's a badass. 95% of the people that live on Miami Beach now are transient or just showed up on Miami Beach. They have no idea what it was back then. We thought that we actually owned that beach. All right, we're here on a special edition of the Happy Customer Channel. Uh, before I introduce my next guest, uh, I got to tell you, you guys scratch me where I itch. Uh, number one, I love documentaries. Number two, you make it a documentary of my hometown. Uh, and three, I treat my whole life, every week of my life, like a shark week. So welcome to the show. Uh, I have here the directors and the producers of a really, really cool documentary. Everybody's got to go check out. I just watched it and it was awesome, which is um, the South Beach Shark Club. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me on. So, uh, Pedro and Robert, tell me a little bit about you guys. I know you're Miami guys, but what's, just for the audience, like your background and, and how did you get into this? Um, well, I was born in Cuba and I migrated here when I was nine and 03. Um, and in high school, I liked TV production a lot. So I did the morning announcements. Then I went to MDC North to study film. And that's where I met this gentleman in screenwriting class. We both liked the, the heat and Nine Inch Nails, so, you know, it's a... Uh, yeah, that was part of the foundation of our relationship, <laughs> I could yeah. say. Um, yeah, um, I grew up in Miami Beach, um, kind of bounced around to the boulevard later on in, like, my teenage years and moved out of here. had a lot of different life experience working as a captain on yeah. boats, um, going to school in California, went to school up in Rhode Island for a little bit. I played music, so I was kind of chasing that as a dream, as a dream career. And then ended up back down here in, uh, in Miami. And yeah, I met Pedro at Miami-Dade uh, campus, North Campus. And uh, yeah, we hit it off in screenwriting class and started doing projects together. And, you know, one thing led to another. And then we made this film as a thesis film, as a short film at first. And over the years, developed it into a feature. And was it a passion for fishing or you just fell in love with a crazy Miami story? And we know there's a lot of them. Well, for, for me, I, I'm very passionate about fishing and about the ocean. I used to dive like as a career. I used to fish as a career. You know, at certain times in my life, I worked as a deckhand on, on yachts and boat deliveries, all kinds of things with the water. And growing up in Miami Beach, as you know, like, you know, I mean, dude, the bay is amazing down there. It's not like, you know, some people in Lauderdale, they go out to like the sandbar or something. They're in like a, a murky water canal. Like, we have a beautiful Biscayne Bay, yeah. beautiful sandbars, beautiful beaches. And, and so like, you know, it's everyday life is integrated into that or at least you know on the weekends what you want to do is you want to be out on the water or in the water so i grew up with a passion for the ocean and you know that just you know the the meeting of that with uh my desire to be a filmmaker and to express myself that way as an artist this is the perfect meeting for it was through this documentary so. all right so take us back I'm, I'm a miami guy i did live in south beach but south beach was a very different place in the 70s right and in this film i discovered a ton of stuff that i didn't know about walk us through what was south beach like in you know, 1970, what was going on? It was the fisherman's paradise, yeah. pretty much. Um, it, a lot of old people, retired old people living there with a small cluster of young people that were starting to come in, um, Cubans, 
um yeah man from everything i've seen and these guys have told me it was like that just a free spirit lifestyle you could be out there on the dock for sleeping all night yeah sleepy little town fishing yeah it was it was like a a sleepy little beachside town i mean in the movie it says per square foot i think it was the oldest place in the world like really the average age in the whole world or like which is just insane to wrap your head around i mean you know a lot of people after Miami had become not as an appealing, uh, Miami Beach had become not so appealing um, of a place to vacation at anymore. Once airfare became a little bit cheaper, they said that you know, or the Orlando becoming a destination like for other other places popping up like uh, for tourist destinations around South Florida, the Bahamas, yeah. things like that. And um, I guess you know you had all these people like uh, that were like retirees from the Northeast, as you know, who like yeah. moved down there and like, were living in like all the old hotels that were no longer inhabited, you know, a couple hurricanes and, you know, other places to, to live and to, to settle in made it, uh, like not so desirable, I guess. And, you know, so there's, I think a DACA called mama, what was it called? Mama, mama lives on Miami beach. Mama lives okay. on Miami beach. Yeah. It's actually really cool. And, you know, we did uh, license some footage from that. And that's where you see a lot of the old people running around and doing all that. But then you have this whole other little, you know, subculture, subculture yeah. this little section of like the first wave of Cuban migrants who end up right. in Miami Beach in the 70s, you know. And so those are the, the kids that are, you know, sleeping on the beach and sleeping on the pier and, you know, using uh, the pier as a way to entertain themselves, right. you know, and like all the things that come with it. So obviously, you know, that's where our story begins and where all this uh, whole little community of shark fishermen and the surfers and skaters comes out of that. So talk to me about, uh, like, all good stories, specifically Miami stories. There's characters, right? There's a guy called Hammer, another guy called Seaweed, Seaweed Jr. There's obviously um, there's Rene. Of, yeah, there's a bunch of guys, too. And that, Chino, which yeah. every Chinese uh, Cuban guy is called Chino. Yeah, like, there, there's characters. Yeah, there's another. There's a guy named Lemon Peel, White Owl, you know, the Ricky Pinero was. Uh, Dave the Diver. Uh, Diver Dave. Uh, I think Bob, the Skin Diver Bob. Uh, Diver Dave is from the Keys, actually. Skin oh. Diver Bob. Skin Diver. But, you know, it's just, it comes with the territory when you get, like, you know, especially on a pier or in the boating community. You have, yeah. Everyone has a nickname. It's like Pirates. I mean, right, it's like right. Blackbeard, you know, what I, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you have all these, like, just this a motley crew of people who are, like, you know, revolving around uh, around the ocean in this case. And what, what was the culture down at the pier? So you got this pier, and then how did sharks just become the, the center of what they were doing? Because... I had no idea you could do sort of land fishing for the kinds of the sizes of, of, of the sharks and the hammerheads that, you, that they're catching in the movie. It's it's pretty uh, amazing to me. I mean, like um, when I started this, obviously, he was the one that knew of the fishery very well, much better than I did. Um, I just like when we started going out there to the beach, I almost like started like putting myself in like the shoes of like in medieval times, you yeah. know, when they were like. <laughs> Oh, let's go out there to hunt a dragon. So, like, the wait for, like, the lines to hit those six hours, seven hours, whatever it was, it was just like, man, what's going to be at the end of that other line? Is it going to be, like, a 20-foot beast? Or, like, (laughs) and then they would tell us, like, oh, we don't have many people here, so we're going to need you guys to get in the water to help us out, drag it out. So it was like, you know, you're waiting there for five hours, and you're like, they're going to bring in a great wide. They're going to ask me to get in. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm a filmmaker. I mean, it has to be interesting from Pedro's perspective and from the perspective of like just also getting a film crew to go actually like, you know, convince them to go out there with <laughs> for you. For five too. hours. Maybe they don't exactly understand what they're signing up for. Like, yeah. you know, we're on a beach. It can like there's weather. There's different elements. You might be asked to go literally help like wrangle a shark, which has happened before. I had to take out a bait on a kayak once just to like just to kind of smooth things over, make sure that like, you know, that... 
they knew that we were there for real, man. And like, you know, I wanted to be a part of it too, like that. So, you know, at some point, maybe I did even lose sight of like, am I becoming a shark fisherman or am I making a movie or what? But as far as land-based shark fishing goes, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. It's really something like, and that's what's so interesting to me about it as a kid. It's just like, are you serious? Like these guys are like with these giant reels, like getting on a surfboard with yeah. half a buddy barracuda and paddling out 300 yards and dropping this thing like in the middle of the ocean. You know, and then, you know, sometimes waiting eight hours, 10 hours, waiting for the tide to change two or three times over and over again for like that bite. And so like it really just takes like a, a, a certain kind of person to do that. And those people are characters and yeah. they're like, you know, they have an ego and they're like right. they're really about it. And, and it's just so that was fascinating from the get go. And I can only imagine like also for, you know, when I told Pedro about this stuff and like, you know, and little by little, we're getting into this world. Like the first time that we go out there, which I could kind of remember, like. You know, just I wonder what it was like to witness that. Also drag them out like to the to the bridge for three days. We slept <laughs> on a bridge for three days making this documentary. Really? You know, yeah. And the last day we're finally like, okay, we need to like go take a shower. <laughs> but but that's like what it that's like what it was like. We you know, we were trying to be involved, like to really immerse ourselves yeah. into the world. Yeah. And, like, you you like got the sense that the, these guys had no other life than this. Um de definitely the kids, not a lot of you know, parental guidance in any way. They're sort of nomads. And even like the main character, Renee intense dude right i mean he just his life was fishing he would yell at everybody and and he was sort of the the ringleader of this this little group uh talk to me about renee i mean what what was his story what was he really like oh man <clears throat> um it's it's you know it's in it's in the documentary i mean you know he was loud he was you know obsessed he was very much driven to do nothing but shark fish. And that's <laughs> what, you know, a lot of people, like one of the things was, uh, we want to hear from Renee. We want to see him uh, humanize a little bit more, but that's the Renee that I knew from the, from the archival kid. footage. Yeah. Is yeah. that like, yeah, he was this larger than life, like kind of like folklore hero, this Pied Piper, this guy who was maybe leading these kids down the right path or the wrong path, but it didn't really matter. They just needed some kind of direction. Yeah. And so you can't like, in the end of the day, Renee's like, you know, was just he's a he's a guy who's, you know, just driven to accomplish the impossible. Like, and that's, you know, in some ways he did that. And in some ways that drove him also yeah, it's a, you know, off a cliff yeah. though, too. Yeah, it's ironic. So, it cost him his life. Uh, yeah, you know, but he, he died loving yeah. what he did. And I told you the, the best part of it would have been if a shark ate him. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a way in a way we kind of wanted to keep that open like we just wanted and in you know in a metaphorical way maybe yeah. a shark did eat him right and that's kind of we wanted to take a little poetic license with that you know in all respect to renee entirely but uh yeah we you know it you would assume if this guy was on a boat like jaws and it flipped over yeah. and he had a great white shark then maybe this is how he met his end yeah you know so we kind of let that open you know in terms of the movie, what did you think about Renee when we were? No, I just think it's amazing um, how strong-willed he was to the point that even 20 years after his death, there's a feature film of him coming out. You know right. that that says something about the man and his determination for what he loved. Yeah, I felt like almost like sometimes when we were editing, like you know, we try to look for these things that are like you know almost like God or the Spirit speaking to us, or like really just the nature of like the edit. What is yeah. it telling us to do? We don't want to bring just like oh well, we think the movie should be like this. And that, so sometimes we would kind of joke like, yo, the spirit of Renee is like coming through <laughs> coming us right to you. now. He's saying to make the movie like this and he wanted it to be about himself. Right. That's what I felt like. I had a dream <laughs> with Renee that I was on a boat with him in the Bahamas. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not even sure what exactly, what, you know, what, I couldn't really remember the entire dream when I woke up. I know I told you something right. about it. 
But to me, what he was telling us, he was like, make the movie about me. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he has that one, you know, the one scene in the movie you know, where he went to the Bahamas and flipped the boat. It's like, it's his Moby Dick tale. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. for that guy, that was the greatest moment of his life. And he almost he almost died that time, too. So it's it's nuts. But he's sort of the ringleader, Hammer. Um, but talk to me about the culture of what the pier was like. Because at the end of the day, it was a special place for, you know, people who... Uh, you know, either were very poor or didn't have a structured home. I mean, there was literally kids living on on on, on the porch, but it had a real special meaning to these folks. And uh, and all these years later, many of them are still playing on to this, and they still you know do this stuff. Walk me through the culture of the pier in South Beach in 1970. I mean, there's you know maybe maybe you know obviously uh, as you could see in the film, South of Fifth Street was a very different place back then. Uh, right now, it's probably one of the most desirable places to live <laughs> it's expensive. Uh, for people who are from out of town and yeah. very, you know, want to live a, a luxurious lifestyle. And back then, it was the complete opposite. It was Section 8 housing. It was, you know, the first waves of Cuban migrants. It was, you know, older Jewish people that mm -hmm. had to come from after the war that couldn't afford, like, you know, certain places to stay. And, like, you just had this completely different world there. But a lot of people were, you know, rich in soul, maybe not rich in their pocketbooks, but rich in soul and spirit. And it had a lot to do with that pier and, you know, just being in that beautiful area of beach right there. Right. Which is still beautiful, you know? It just changed a lot. I mean, you know, they did uh, dredge the beach, you know, back in like the 80s. And I think even maybe even before that, but and they knocked down that pier. Uh, it kind of changed a little bit. So some of it is still there, but it seems like, you know, a lot of the magic has disappeared, and it kind of went with the pier when they knocked it. When down. When they knocked it down, yeah. and, and 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 where did those people go? Did they go down to the Keys, or they just scattered all over the Some place? Some of them spread out. I mean, um, like the the surfers, they went to Cali, from what I heard. Right. The fishermen were forced to either go north to other beaches mm. or to go to the Keys. Like you yeah. show in the movie, there was yeah. an exodus, but. Then you got like the Kevin Pagans who hung around the boardwalk and started fishing from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the boardwalk was a thing. I remember as a kid too going to the boardwalk. Like yeah. that was a thing going to Friday Night Live. Yeah. You know, and seeing bands. I had to be one of the first concerts I went to, like Cab Calloway at like Friday Night Live with my family and stuff. And you know, there would be like the old hippies there smoking weed and there would be like, you know, nice, cool, fun environment with like food and like carnival kind of environment, which was really cool. Um, I know that Kevin Pagan, like you said, stayed there and fished off the boardwalk, and that's where he came up with that legendary catch where he got that tiger shark. But most of the other guys, uh, like who continued fishing, you know, either moved on to boats or some of them went to the Keys, some went to Sebastian Inlet. Yeah. And um, a lot of the good surfers and skateboarders, there are actually some like pretty prominent surfers and skateboarders. Really? They went to California, a bunch of them. Well, it's, so. it, it shows in the movie definitely that, you know, and we're, we're going through crazy times from you know, the lockdowns that people stopped going, getting together and stuff like, you, you need to be part of a group and social setting and whatever that is. It's shark hunting, it's skateboarding, it's, you know, you play softball, whatever. Uh, being part of something is important. As simple as I just want to peer, uh, fish off the pier for a couple hours with my buddies and maybe drink beer. Like yeah, it, it definitely shows that. Uh, I love document uh, documentaries. Uh, walk me through behind the scenes of a documentary, of like making it and things that I wouldn't know or things that you would want your audience to know about in making this movie. And by the way, how long did it take you to make this movie? Six years. Wow. Uh, two years on the short film and then four years on the feature. Um, I mean, it's making a documentary. It's it, the, the cliche thing to say is like it's getting written as you're making it and but at, at one point you have to stop yourself it's been a lot of uh great times after production where like we go home we look at the footage and we're like oh my god this is so great but you know we've also had our down times and um 
But that to me is like my favorite moments, the moments where we're reassuring each other, you know, where yeah. it's like, this is my brother, I got his back, or likewise. Um, it takes great, great persistence to do something of this nature, especially on the shoestring budget that we were yeah. doing. Um, but, you, you know, you keep at it, you never know, man. We we went, I think, like a whole year without editing it, and then we sat down one day on July 5th, and then, like, the editor just started speaking to Robbie little by yeah. little. And he just wrote that momentum all the way, like, four, four months straight, I think it was, sure. that he was in that editing I room. mean, there was, there was some times, like, you know, that... Uh, well, you're just putting together this massive collection of footage. I mean, you could just press play on all the footage we have. It would probably play for like, I don't know, a month. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. There, you know, there's 10 other movies. There's hundreds of other movies that could have been made out of that footage, too. And like, yeah. you know, the one that we ultimately decided to make was really the movie that no one was telling us to make. We just made the movie that we wanted to make. Right. And we had these other like little dead end edits that we were putting together initially. And like we would put together two or three scenes and maybe this is the movie. We had written it one way. No, it doesn't. It didn't jive. We did it again another way. Didn't really jive. And so it's kind of like, you know, I come from a music background. It's songwriting, yeah. you know, and like it has to speak to you in that way. And it has to, it had to, it ultimately, we had to find what our flow was and then follow that. It was like an intuitive thing mm -hmm. all from the gut. And, you know, we, when we started getting green lights, we just said, yes, yes, yes. And yeah. Get with those ideas, bouncing them off each other. We were like, this is my confidant. I was, you know, at the editing, like what I call it, the sticks. I was in the yeah. editing chair most of the time. But, you know, this guy was also right over my shoulder. And we would talk about it. I'd send him stuff. I just constantly, constantly writing and rewriting it and talking about some of some of the imagery and some of, like, uh, the, the undertones of it, the three-act structure. We tried to put that all in there. There's yeah. all this, like, we wanted to have it uh, be, like, be you want we wanted you to be able to watch it multiple right. times and yeah. catch other things so that it has like that rewatchability. Yeah. All my favorite movies have that rewatchability. And so in some ways it's like we hit you over the head with so much information. It's so fast and there's so much like little cool stuff. There's no way you could catch it in one in one viewing. By the way, good music in the movie. Thanks. I I I, I uh, some the score people, was good. Some people seem to love it. Yeah. Love it, love it. And some people have a problem with it. But either way, you know, <laughs> well, everyone's everyone's not gonna like everyone's not gonna like everything you do, man. But um, for me, I, yeah, I mean, music is a huge thing. We call the movie a prog rock documentary yeah. sometimes because it has like you have a, a lot of music in it. Yeah, it has a lot of music for a all, documentary for almost sure. Almost all of it is locally sourced. I Good. think there's one song that wasn't, but a, it's a friend who we met down here. It was an actor. And it was his brother's band. So no, they're good. Yeah, I mean, all the, all all those bands. I I grew up with some of them. I met some of them later on in life. Played music with them. Yeah, we were fans of them. So it was amazing to to bring all them together to work on this too. Like, man, it just feels that much better to make a movie and then source all the music from all, all the homies. This episode is brought to you by Buena Vista Creative, Miami's premier digital marketing agency. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com for more info on how Buena Vista can help your business increase revenue and create the brand and digital presence it deserves video and podcast production, web and app development, search engine and social media marketing, logo creation, outdoor, print, swag, and more. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com to learn more. So first of all, on the business side, let's let's talk about marketing first. Uh, you guys have done a very good job on social media and I think uh, uh, you know other methods of, of marketing. That's how I found you, right? I think I saw a digital short or a TikTok video. I was like, wait a minute, this is like totally targeted to me. It's you know, Miami, it's it's sharks and it's a documentary. I'm, I'm in. Walk me through some of the stuff, how you've gotten the word out for uh, this documentary. It dropped nationwide, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what have you done? What are some of the, 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 the marketing I, plays that you've I made? I think it all started uh, last year before Miami Film Festival. We initially said mm -hmm. that um, we had a movie coming out. So we were able to 
like the genesis of our audience began when we made the short film at Cinema Slam. Um, people were hearing about it online, so that started to create a small following for us. Then when we announced that the movie was coming out, sold out the Tower Theater, um, playing it off of Instagram. Um, the Miami Herald had written an article for us, so we are just like cultivating the hometown audience already for about those six years. Um, and then, yeah, man, now, now, now that we put it out, um, had some good, good... Uh, Promoters help us out, WLRN, yeah. the Miami New Times. So yeah. yeah, I mean, and then obviously, you know, what we're doing on the ground floor too, with like even just trying to come up with cool Instagram reels and, and try to find like, you know, the audience that would find this stuff appealing, like how yeah. we found yeah. you. Yeah. So especially like we we, st we knew that there was going to be a way to market this and at least to like scale this up from a niche audience and hopefully, you know, to a national audience as we continue yeah. doing this. But this is part of the whole tour right now. Yeah. Sure. So hopefully this helps make, uh, other people aware of it who might yeah. be potential audience for this too. So like um, we knew there was a niche audience in, in the Mi old Miami beachers and the old uh, fisherman crew and, and skateboarding surf. And even the people who are, are, are younger now in fishing and want to know about that history. Yeah. So, you know, at one point I was like, if we could get every fisherman in South Florida to watch this, it'll be successful. It'll be super, it'll be super yeah. cool. Now right. we can get filmmakers, people who like documentaries yeah. to watch it will be even more successful. Right. So it's just a stepping stone at a time. And so it's this whole like awareness uh, marketing campaign like we call it a guerrilla marketing campaign yeah. right now because we're quite literally doing a lot of it on the ground floor ourselves so so your car is a shark right now right yeah I call, <laughs> i'm calling it the shark car for the now. shark but car yeah, the shark mobile shark car i mean you know i told pedro about a year ago i was like yeah I, you I, got all, he, 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 robbie says like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna turn my sh my car into a shark uh <laughs> we're gonna get a billboard we're gonna get the tow plane yeah, and stuff had, like that and the idea has evolved since like he had the great idea to put up a mural you know something that's beautiful Something that's more part of a community than a billboard or a yeah. tow plane would be, you know? Yeah, so, so instead of towing, like, a banner down South Beach, which we may still do with, a you know, like, an airplane banner. And like, <laughs> or a big uh, shark fin in the water. Yeah, that would be, that would be even better. See, now you may need to there jump you go. on yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I don't know. I like that. We might get in trouble for that one, but that could be good press, though, yeah. still. <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're just try trying to come up with more with other creative ways to market the film and in, in in some ways because we consider ourselves more than filmmakers this has just become another art project for yeah, us too yeah, so yeah. now we get to drive around in a, in a in a car that has a giant three-foot fin on it with vinyl <laughs> uh with vinyl teeth on the side we're wrapping the back now so people actually know what it is yeah because right now like people just think we're crazy so <laughs> we had to wait till we got a little more money so i could wrap the back of the van with some advertising <laughs> and stuff and some other cool shit and so like yeah man um Hopefully, uh, you know, we get a little buzz from this and people start recognizing. Obviously, it's it's Shark Week, you know, and um, I think that the best way you could celebrate Shark Week, especially down here in South Florida, is watching a hometown movie about... Watch this great documentary, right? Yeah, about 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 the the real Shark Week here in like 1970s <laughs> Miami Beach. Man. Every week was Shark Week. Yeah. Walk me through the business side. So somebody who doesn't know anything about uh, uh, documentaries, now there's this huge streaming channel, right? Where you give it to a distributor and they put it on Amazon, Apple. Walk me through the, like, what is, take me behind the scenes. It, I mean, that took us a, another year or two to do, man, from the debut of the film all the way to now. Um, so at Miami Film Festival is when we started, like, learning. We were like, hey, we're looking for a distributor. We want to get this movie distributed. Um, they had sent us some good contacts that, unfortunately, nothing materialized. Then we went to Doc NYC to yeah. go look for the distributors there. Kept in touch with a few people. Then finally in January, like three distributors hit us up like the same week. Uh, and we we signed with uh, Vision Films. Yeah, with so, a boutique distributor yeah. called Vision Films. 
it's it's interesting, you know, like we, we went to Doc NYC and we thought, okay, for sure we're gonna get someone out of yeah. this. And it was right before the holidays. And so everything kinda went cold for a while. And we're there like, you know, just thinking like, you know, through the holidays, obviously it's hard to follow up with people through emails in this time, yeah, yeah. but we're like, geez, man, we really wanna we really wanna lock this in. And then all of a sudden in one day we got three people off giving us offers. I mean Vision is a, a great partner for us. They kept our expenses right where we wanted to be, like relatively yeah. low. So that would be something if we're giving advice to other people who are trying to, like, you know, distribute their films. You want to make sure that you keep your expenses down as much as possible. And then also that they're going to be someone who understands your movie, yeah. Yeah. understands how to market your film, where to put it, um, what's the strategy to scale it up from, you know, initially right now we're on transactional video on demand. Ideally, we'd like to be on SVOD, which is streaming video on demand, you know, uh, subscription based. Uh, video on demand and then from there it'll probably go to an avod platform and beyond that where we have a worldwide distribution deal which is awesome it's something that we were looking for as well because we yeah. knew that this had potential in other countries where you know fishing is really popular it's actually one of the most popular sports in the right. world <laughs> i mean you could imagine right yeah i mean <laughs> and people love sharks and people love sharks yeah even in this movie and sharks I, yeah I, you know shark yeah. is always the villain in just about every movie right it's, it's, especially <laughs> it's the, the most way. famous one jaws yeah but in this one you kind of feel bad for the sharks in a weird way right? yeah that's it, that's interesting to say i mean you know we always say that this movie is like it we use the shark thing as like a marketing thing almost too because and it because this movie is about people it's about that's people 100 it's right. really just about people and like were they the most interested thing that they were the thing they were most interested in was shark fishing and you know and in the sharks themselves so you know it does revolve around that but yeah it's a movie it's a it's a it's a movie that has shark in its title but is really about people it's about the people it's about yeah. that 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 dock uh and and fishing off of it yeah. and 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 the relationships uh along the way walk me through early stage you know financing like how, i know that you know when you're uh, Miami Dade College, they helped you with a lot of this stuff. How did you bootstrap this to get it to the point where you got it in the film festivals and then to distributors? What did you do? Well, uh, Miami Dade College provided us with um, the equipment initially right. to, so like Robbie was saying, we filmed for, we were filming the interviews for the feature already. We were doing like two hour long interviews. So after Cinema Slam, um, we stated our intention to turn it into a feature film and the first guy that came to us was Shannon Seaweed Jr. Yeah, he gave us enough to, for us to get started, and that held us up for a while. Yeah. I know um, Robbie's dad, some of our fam family sure, members sure. have pitched in, yeah. too. Um, then after that, in November, we had a fundraiser. I think we raised, uh, what was it, like? We raised close to $10,000, yeah. which sure. was made possible by a lot of our friends and family giving us things to donate, like, you know, people who worked for a travel agency to give, you know, some... Some tickets, uh, like on, on American Airlines, or like actually Billy Corbin Billy Cor donated, who became a friend of the yeah. movie, donated some like tickets to like a premiere of his movie, and you know a number of different things like that. And like you know, big thanks to all the friends and family who donated to that too. And as fate would have it, uh, we raised about ten thousand dollars, and a week later we were burglarized uh, <laughs> at our studio for about ten thousand dollars. Oh my god! So that was interesting. Um, yeah, that's I a mean, whole other little doc. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a whole other doc. We had the Key West Film Festival that day, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> but poor Robbie was downtrown. We just like grabbed him, put him in a car, uh, and he drove off. Go on, man. Well, we decided <laughs> that the way the story goes is, I mean, it was like we decided in the last yeah. second that we're gonna go to Key West Film yeah, Festival. Yeah. The movie was playing there already. But we didn't know if we were going to go. This is a short film. You know, like, this is how many? 2018? 2018. So now yeah. five November years ago. 2018. Oof. Yeah, almost five years ago yeah. now. But 
Five, is it five years ago? Jesus. I think so. Oh my yeah. God, if we're getting old. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you make a movie. Yeah. You get old quick. Uh, but yeah, so I went into the studio. We decided we're going to go really early in the morning. You know, like with the wind in my sails, yeah. like we're going to go to the Keys today. My favorite place in the world, Key West. Let's yeah. go. It's just like going to be just fun going out there, just partying. Like we have a movie there. It's like, it's great. It's great. So, uh, yeah, walk up to this. I, I drive up to the studio and I see 10 cop cars there. I'm like, oh, oh my God, bro. Am I like yeah. sleeping still? Like what's <laughs> going on? Park my car up. I run into the back of the studio and our door was kicked in and all of our things were gone. Anything that was worth anything, yeah. pretty much. Uh, oh man. Our computers, our projector, cameras. The only thing that they didn't take that was like an electronic was our one big hard drive that for some reason we did not take and there were no other backups. They were all in the studio. You got which lucky, was man. a really good lesson yeah. to learn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would have been a worse lesson if they took it. Yeah. But um we yeah, so here, I just like uh yeah, I laid down on the floor and I just basically like cried for like, you know, ten minutes and then uh screamed and <laughs> like a bunch of obscenities and uh no. yeah, and then you know, we just strapped our boots up and went down uh, to the keys know. anyways. But they yeah, they basically <laughs> had to like drag me down there and then I just, you know. Went into uh, binge drinking immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good remedy. Give me the feedback of the audience. What's what's the online world saying? What are the reviews? What what are what are people uh, out there uh, saying about the movie? Well, I think so far, like you know, we've had a really great response, uh, especially locally, and then also, I believe, I mean, you check in on some of that stuff on different territories. Yeah, I mean, too, right? so far, yeah. it's beyond our expectation. Really, overwhelmingly positive, man. Good. You know, you got your. Your bad apples here and there, but it's all good, man. You know, there's a yeah. lot of love involved in all of this, so yeah, it's it, it's really feeding the wind to our sails right yeah. now. You Whenever know? you put something out like that, and this is you know part of just uh, making art or making anything or putting yourself out there. I mean, not everyone's gonna like it necessarily, and that's totally cool. What we want is just for people to engage with it, and mm -hmm. whether you like it or not, like that's totally cool. Like just you know, take a look at it, and then you can judge it from there. As long as you watch it all the way through, yeah, you know, give it I a think fair shot. That would be yeah. great. Um, but I mean, it's been overwhelming. We've gotten a lot of great reviews on IMDb, a lot of great reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and a lot of rewatchability. Like yep. people are watching it multiple times, right? Yep. That's Amazon, great ratings in there too. Amazon, Voodoo as well is playing really well on Voodoo right now. So correct. I mean, like you just showed it to you know, uh, uh, Josh just became aware of the movie, yeah. and he's like, I watched it three times. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's like, I had no idea it was like this. I'm like, So that was like... Yeah, and, and the comments that we're getting, man. Um, So Dogtown and Z-Boys was one of the inspirations yeah. for us making this movie. We just got one yesterday. Um, a dude that we told, we don't even know, and he was like, this does for Miami Beach what Dogtown did for that area. For so Venice like, Beach. Yeah, that's so, very cool. So that's, which is a great doc. Yeah. yeah, so that's awesome. And initially, like in, especially in the first two weeks, it was like this little phenomenon that was happening. Okay. Like on Instagram, everyone was just like in bed or on their couch or something taking pictures yeah. of the yeah. actual TV. We were posting them. Me, every day. including me. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I found you. <laughs> yeah, we were posting you. Yeah, everyone was like watching this on my TV, which was like, like we didn't even think of that. Yeah. Like, so that's... Man, sometimes these things like that. Once you put your art out there, it just it it goes to the world. It's no longer yours. Yeah, it's, the, for, it's for the people now. You guys so, have a great trailer. It's a huge. Yeah. It's a huge hook. Uh, the second I saw my no, no pun intended, but I'm like, oh yeah, I'm all over it. This, yeah. It's 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 my audience. All right, so you started this six years ago. Lessons learned. If you can get in a time machine and go back, what would you tell to <laughs> your younger selves? Um, try to find the distributor a lot earlier. You know, really? start having those conversations. And why is that? Why earlier? Just because it, it felt like when we were finished with the movie that that whole distribution business side was so neglected. I mean, I get it. You know, we yeah, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So um, I wish that we would have paid a little more attention and started engaging some distributors earlier, you mm -hmm. know, to not have to have done this journey. But in the end, you know, it doesn't matter. We 
We're, we're right where we're supposed to be, I right. believe, 100%. Yeah, so. it all works out, but there's just certain things, like even like on the tail end, saving money for marketing, having, an, yeah. having a marketing <laughs> budget. But the way that we worked on this was very linear, and we were a very small crew, shoestring yeah. budget, basically Pedro and I. And then, you know, other friends who came in and out along the way throughout the process of production and post-production, you know. But we tried to get money out where we could, and, you know, some of the movie was also produced while we were in school. So that was like, you know, yeah, we yeah. were lucky enough to have that as well. But... Yeah, I mean, as far as what what uh what we learned, I mean, first of all, don't make a documentary. It takes forever. <laughs> it takes a long time, you know. But no, you could you could make one. But I mean, if we did it, if we did it again, all over again, um, I mean, I think we could be more efficient. Obviously, sure. you know, we had to learn the ropes, man. So that was the best school we yeah. could ever have yeah. is making a documentary ourselves. Right. And yeah, so in some ways, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't take anything back about it. I mean, uh, we learned everything from like, you know, just having an idea and throwing things yeah. at the wall to, you know, full on getting a, a distribution deal and having the movie widely available for everyone to watch. 100% film school could prepare you, but like just you doing said, it, right. the best, best thing is just Yeah, just it's just like it. a business, right? You can go to business school, but you jump ahead first. Let, let, let's get it going. You're yeah. going to make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Learn from them and, and, and move on. And to people who want to do this too, I recommend like, man, you got to touch, you know, if especially in a smaller budget or if you want to be directing or producing too, you got to touch every part of the movie, man. Right. You really want to know how to do every job on set or like more like to, to some degree, man. And so, yeah, that was, it, it was just an awesome experience doing this. And, you know, it did take a long time, but, you know, we learned uh, sometimes the hard way. And, you know, in the end, we, you know, it's, it's all been worth it. And we've, we feel like uh, we've reaped those benefits uh, just like, you know, in our soul, even just for having yeah. gone through this experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And so much stronger in the sense that like now I feel like we're better storytellers yeah. now gauging the marketing thing. I feel we could do that right there with the best of them. So we'll see, man. We'll hey, you're getting better and better. Yeah. What's next, guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, I think what's really next is right in front of us. It's this marketing thing. Yeah which, like I said, is an art project in itself. So that's really fun to do. And then uh, Pedro and I are writing partners, and we've been writing, you know, over the years, like different shorts when we were younger and, like, in the infancy of this documentary, and now it's come back again full circle. Uh, and we wrote a pilot for a TV show and a whole, awesome. like, production Bible and a bunch of character study on that. And we just have, you know, a desire to, to write a fiction, and so we're going to just pursue that. And So no more docs for a while. Docs are on the back burner. I mean, you... you if you got a good story, never, yeah. yeah. No, there could, there could be. I mean, they, I think they would be done with a little more funding, actually. <laughs> that would help a lot. Right. So, um, But we have this one under our belt. So this is a good proof of concept to, like, maybe, yeah. you know, put together another deck uh, and, and get some investors for another right. documentary. I would right. do that. So, yeah. But it would just be done completely differently. We couldn't do it how we just did it. No, uh, last to to totally. Uh, I can't let you guys go without uh, asking you some rapid-fire questions. All right, <laughs> ready? Okay, first question. How many times have you watched the movie Jaws? 326. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Pro probably like 40, 50 times. Okay, great. Uh, you cannot say Nine Inch Nails. If you could get one song to put into this documentary, because I know you guys are big music guys, what would that song be? Our Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it. I figured you Well, would. we actually did. We actually, you know, we actually pursued getting Nine Inch Nails yeah, music yeah. in this movie at one point, yeah. you know? So we ended up, uh, and we, there was, there was a possibility of doing it. It just was way out of our budget. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, it was just cool to be in talks with Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, to know? like, yeah, yeah, to at least try to pursue yeah. that, you know, just yeah. a little bit with our lawyer and stuff. But obviously, that didn't work out. But uh, John Williams, even too. And we could John get Williams, <laughs> Williams we could get him. Uh, <laughs> All right, so, what some, some little snippets made it here and there. So. What other? What's, what band were you gonna say? 
I was gonna say our Carson at the driving or something, oh, like, driving. like a yeah. specific song. Okay, very cool. Uh, your favorite documentary other than this one? The Act of Killing, I would say. The Act of Killing. What, yeah. I've never even heard of it. What? That's a uh, Jay Oppenheimer, I believe. That one's in the Philippines, and there there had been like a civil war there, and uh -huh. then the, the oh. movie takes place in present day, and um, these guys like oppress the people. They committed like a massive genocide, so a documentarian like goes into the oppressors like he films wow. them and all that it's just a, an amazing study in in the human character and you know these dark minds it's, it's and all the regret that they hold for the rest of their life too really i highly highly recommend that all right, i'm gonna check that it out that movie is really crazy and awesome. really yeah it's amazing um but for me i mean and the reason why i made this movie it's not like the filthy's indonesia i'm sorry yeah okay indonesia <laughs> that movie's insane um Dogtown and Z Boys is one of my all time. Uh, favorites, me too. You know? I mean, it's and one of my that's favorites. Like yeah. what? Why? You know, we wanted to emulate some of that. Uh, yeah, some of the spirit and the energy of that movie in this movie, especially in the cutting and the and the nature of like the subject matter and all that stuff. But one of the the best things I've seen on film too in documentaries, the Jinx, like that Robert Durst story. Fantastic. I Crazy. like a lot of true crime stuff, man. I'm like a that's date, a great one. I, I will watch yeah. a lot of Dateline and all that. <laughs> I watch oh, a man. lot of shitty TV too. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, that that Jinx documentary I thought was badass. It was badass. It was, really it was cool. well made too. Yeah. Um, all right, you guys are big Miami sports fans, like I am. Next two questions are Miami sports related. In your opinion, if the Miami Dolphins changed their name from the Miami Dolphins to the Miami Sharks, would we finally win a Super Bowl? Because they always the Miami Dolphins. You got this dolphin with a stupid little helmet on top. It's not scaring anybody. You put a big shark fin. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, if they if if uh, it's, it's superstitious. I mean, uh, when, when did uh, any given Sunday come out? Yeah, they went to Sharks, right? Yeah. To Miami Sharks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got it right. Oliver Stone got it right. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. If if yeah. if it's gonna mean that we win a Super Bowl, I mean, you know, I'm change all it to whatever it. you want. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, dude. All right, last question. You guys, you're even wearing a Heat hat. Will the Miami Heat, by the time Shark Week rolls out, by the end of Shark Week, will Dame Lillard be on the Miami Heat? Absolutely. I think so. I'm going to knock on wood. I don't want to mess up the audio. Okay, well, never mind. <laughs> hey, to get him, I'll, I'll mess up the audio. Sorry. But, yeah, I'm going to knock on wood about that. Like, a little superstitious. But I think, uh, yeah, I think we will get him. Awesome. Good. Guys, thanks for coming to the show. Where can people watch the movie, find out more about you guys, uh, that sort of stuff? You can type in South Beach Shark Club. You can watch the movie on Amazon, Voodoo, Google Play, Apple TV. Uh, you could also get in touch with us at South Beach Shark Club. Uh, that's our handle. Yes. SouthBeachSharkClub.com. We're, we're at South Beach Shark Club on Instagram yeah. and TikTok. Every, anywhere you type in South yeah. Beach Shark Club, it'd be hard to not yeah. find us. Um, and we have a website. We have a newsletter. Yeah. You want more information? You want, you know, some questions or anything? And, we're pretty open. We'll, yeah, anything. And like, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of activations now uh, towards the end of 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 july for shark week yeah. so you know stay up to date with that too and come out and, and have a beer with us and talk with us so we'll do like some little ask me anything's on on instagram and and just be out there with the van kind of uh you know i don't want to say terrorizing the public but yeah, you know, yeah. they know where to find you just find we'll the only out. guy driving around a shark yeah, we're gonna be in shark costumes too probably perfect but, you know uh you know after we have a couple of beers it'll be uh easier to get into shark great. costumes and run around and uh you know just engage with the community i think it'll be fun giving out giveaways and stuff and this so. this is a great way to kick off shark week is watching this documentary it's 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 uh i i know i enjoyed it uh, I've spread the word to a couple of friends who have watched it. And they they really liked it. So Absolutely. It's awesome. If you like Shark Week, I just think that you're going to love this movie. I think that this is just like real throwback to, you know, like somebody just like we were referencing the comments section the other day. They don't make docs like this anymore. Somebody had said that. But yeah. 
it has that right. timeless quality to it. It seems like it was totally. made 20 years ago. Or... It yeah. feels like it, it was made 20 years ago, hopefully in a good way, though. Like, and, you know, that was kind of the aesthetic that we wanted it to, to be behind. It had it's that cocaine cowboys, Dogtown and Z-Boys yeah. aesthetic of that yeah. as well. So. Very cool. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it.